Before we get to the episode today, I want to thank our sponsor, Surf Prep Sanding. Whether you're looking for the highest quality of sanders, dust extractors, or abrasives, Surf Prep has what you need to take your project to the next level. I've been using Surf Prep for a couple of years now and know firsthand the quality of their products. The amazing family who stands behind their brand is by far the best in the industry. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, for 10% off your order at surfprepsanding.com. Thank you to Surf Prep and our patrons for sponsoring this episode. As always, I'll give a shout out to our top tier patrons at the end of the episode. If you want to be part of the Maker Lounge Podcast community, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. You can watch the episodes on YouTube. They drop on Thursdays on YouTube and Patreon on Wednesdays. Welcome to the lounge. I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge Podcast, where every Friday we have a rotating group of makers hanging out and talking shop with each other. He's the guy that can take an average desk and make it as complicated as possible, adding nooks and crannies that make an English muffin look like pancakes. <laughs> His furry feline helper Lola secretly gets more likes on Instagram than he does, but he's okay with that because this cat king is dominating on YouTube. <laughs> the man who coined the term Total Boat Baby, Total Boat Baby is here, Mr. Keith Johnson. <laughs> Welcome to the lounge. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Total boat, baby. See, I'm yeah. ready to go. There it is. My tagline. <laughs> yeah. You wondering how I how I snagged that from the internets? Yes. I guess it's fair you, use. Oh, you I need royalties? To... Uh no, I guess it's under five seconds. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh how's it going? It's going well. It's yeah. uh I've just been Non-stop busy since September, so haven't really had a chance to breathe. Yeah. But that's okay. Right. That's how I like it. Otherwise, sometimes grass will grow under my feet if I'm, if I'm left to, <laughs> to sit for too long. Yeah, you, you got a lot going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're working the, the woodworking stuff. You got the podcast. You've been doing some travel, it looks like, lately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the uh, editing, obviously. Editing all the content. Are you are you editing the podcast as well, or do you have somebody? I, I am now. We were, were we still may hand it off. Um, yeah. I just kind of was working through the bugs of how to get it done, and now I think we've I've settled on a, a system that's much faster. Um, but as you know, you have you know we have the video feed that has to be put on YouTube, and then I have to right. break out the main show and the after show and put in the intro and the outro and any beeps because we try to keep it clean over there. Yeah. And so yeah, it's it's not difficult it's just can be a process and just can be take time so yeah but i think uh, i think i've got a system now so moving forward i'll probably just continue the edit and keep it in-house yeah you guys used to be a trio and i guess nick has moved on to something else and right yeah i mean yeah. he just got pretty much burnt out with you know trying to balance um social media and the podcast and work mm -hmm. and he had taken on kind of a new position at work with more responsibility and yeah, it was just, it's a lot. And I, I it get is. it. I mean, for all of us, sometimes you just need a break from social media. It's overwhelming and the mental, the mental aspect of it where, you know, mm -hmm. all the comments mostly are nice, but then there's the trolls that, <laughs> that get to you, get under your skin and everything else. And the pressure of posting all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, I kind of dismissed that a long time ago. I, I don't, I just post if I have something. Yeah. Yeah, for for a long time I was doing, you know, it, it was 365 days and I was posting 365 times and I did see a lot of growth in that time, but it's mm -hmm. still it does take a toll on you. 
you know, going to bed that night thinking, oh, shoot, I didn't, I'm not prepped for tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And at this point, you know, since they got kind of, they dropped the reels bonuses on Facebook and Instagram, it's it's difficult to find motivation because, mm. you know, a lot of people just post to post, like, content. And right. for me, like, each video is generally a process video, and it takes me a long time to edit something like that and to just throw it up there and for real no gain. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'd rather spend my time editing the YouTube video or working on other things than, but, you know. If I if I specifically film something to make a reel and I edit it, yeah, I'm absolutely going to post it. I'm going to post it everywhere: Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok, yeah, uh, whatever these other platforms. I'm sure there's new ones out there that I don't even know yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be something. Better get Vero. Your, uh, get, yeah, Vero. Did that ever take off? I, I think in their own mind it did. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when it first came out and it, they made it seem like it was all exclusive. Like there's only a million spots right. open. So I got one, I got one, I got, I opened up two slots and yeah, it went nowhere and mm -hmm. died. And then it seemed like there was a bit of a resurgence last year, but again, yeah. it fell flat on its face. Yeah. It's like the reason. McRib, you know, they, they yeah. try to talk, <laughs> <Right>. talk <laughs> up the McRib. Release yeah. You, nobody's getting the McRib. They always say like back by popular demand, but yeah. It's yeah. really not. <laughs> they had some processed meat that had to package as a McRib. <laughs> yeah, we had all this leftover, so we got to find a way to revitalize. <laughs> Get the those, marketing team on it. <laughs> all those returned hamburgers. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. We'll throw them in the blender and mash them into a, a preformed Flintstone yeah. rib-looking thing. They're, they're frozen. I'm sure they're safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're preserved. Oh, believe me, like Twinkies, right? They'll last through a nuclear winter. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, posting every day and trying to get all that uh, content out there, your posts, like you said, are, are process posts and, um, it's, so you're not, I'm sure you're sprinkling in, you know, that the random glue bottle, uh, squeeze out, you know, kind of thing. But for, for the most part, a lot of your stuff is, I mean, you can tell that you put a lot of effort into it and you're, you're doing graphics and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. Um, is it, is that like, I guess, do, do, is it for the numbers? Do numbers matter or is it, what's the driving factor? A lot of times sponsors are the driving factor. Yeah. Um, you know, for the last couple of years I was sponsored by Pony Jorgensen and there was a certain number of posts that were required. I work with Total Boat and I've done some stuff for Festool. So, um, you know, and Doug Mockett. So a lot of my posts are driven, are sponsor driven. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, before I went full-time with this and I had a regular full-time job, I would woodwork on the weekends. I would spend all weekend filming and building, and then each night during the week, I would edit a different video to post the next day on Instagram. And back then, it was a game. It was like, how many followers can I get? Kind of like my own little competition. I'd pick somebody who had more followers than me and see if I could catch them and then catch the next person. Mm -hmm. Just fun competition to kind of keep things going. But, you know, it was because you wanted to get recognized by sponsors. And right. now it's, yeah, the numbers really, I mean, it's great. I have big numbers on all these platforms. It's helpful. But the meaningful platform for me right now is YouTube. Right. And, and it's not even about growing my subscriber. I mean, obviously you want to grow your subscribers, but I want views. You know, yeah. sponsors are looking at views and, you know, your average views maybe in your last 10 videos. 
Like there are people that have 30,000 subs and make a very good living because they have a dedicated audience and they can mm -hmm. get views. Whereas I know some people that have six, 700,000 subs and they can't get 20, 30,000 views per video. Right. So why that is, I, I don't know. And that's why, you know, I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but like Let's that's why I, <laughs> I stopped posting shorts on YouTube. It was destroying yeah. my audience demographics. Mm. Um, because number one, people I think who are there to watch short form content aren't there to watch long form content. The pay rate is abysmal Pennies. yeah and i because i did several tests on this i posted 10 shorts one a day for 10 days i got 30 million views and a bunch of subs but like 10 percent of them were u.s based it was mm. india and south america and it totally this was before they kind of broke out the analytics on youtube for shorts and long form mm -hmm. so it completely demolished my analytics. So when sponsors would look, it's like, this guy's main core audience is 17% India and 10% US. Why would we ever advertise with him? Right. So it took me a while to kind of flip those. And I recently posted some more shorts just to see. And again, it was all the wrong audience. Mm. And I see people who are building their whole channel on shorts, which could work because mm -hmm. I know some companies are advertising on shorts. Um, not so many in our woodworking space, right? Um, maybe in like the DIY more so, but it, I've just found it's completely, it's submarines my channel by doing mm. shorts on YouTube as much as they want. I mean, I don't really have a problem getting views. I mean, you know, you get a flop and then a good one and a flop and a good one, but right. there's just no money. And yeah. it, it, it's just like TikTok. You can post all, I mean, it's, <laughs> massive following over there but i've made in whatever two and a half years i've made three hundred dollars oh wow so yeah. is that a lot i don't know <laughs> no, no I, I don't know i i don't monetize on tiktok um okay it, we, i just had uh wood woodwork i had anil and sam on mm -hmm. and they're they're big on tiktok and so that's how they kind of grew their their business but but it it's more to drive the actual uh business rather than like the sponsors and stuff like that. Right. Um, it's just another, for me, it's another platform where when a sponsor looks and say, Hey, you know what? How about a 60 to 90 second ad integration on YouTube? I'll throw in a TikTok for, I don't know, whatever this amount. Right. You know, so it's just like an addition. If they want to, um, they can give them kind of an a la carte. It's the dessert. Option. Yeah. 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 You I want mean, dessert with that? Sure. You want a little... <laughs> <laughs> it's a 20% off coupon on, on a real, you know, and I did that recently with it. I did a YouTube video. And I'm like, you know what? I'll throw in an IG reel for yeah. this much and they'll jump on it. Mm -hmm. I've never had, I've yet to have someone jump on a TikTok add on though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, when, when you say 300 bucks, that's including the, those little a la carte's. Or is that uh, just no. from? Yeah, that's just, it's from just yeah, the creator yeah, okay. fund or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's. <laughs> and yeah. I just, you know, and they they're very secretive about pay rate over there. Whereas, you know, on YouTube, it's pretty transparent. It'll show you you're making five cents a thousand views, and right. on Facebook, if you're doing in-stream ads, you get you know a CPM just like YouTube. And YouTube is very obviously shows exactly what you're making. Right. And TikTok, they're like, eh, you know. We'll just distribute stuff around, and it's our, yeah. at our discretion. Right. Yeah. It, I had stopped posting regularly on Instagram probably two months before they stopped the Reels bonus. 
And because um, I could kind of see the writing on the wall and it was just it was also burning me out. And and then I was just consuming a lot of just junk. It, it, it was uninspiring. And so it, it started killing my creativity. And mm-hmm. then I saw the potential for YouTube, you know, other people who have been successful on YouTube. And I was like, you know, I think search based content uh, is where it's at. Um, because on Instagram, your posts are dead after two weeks, you know, for sure. the most part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could repost the same thing a month later and nobody's even going to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially on Facebook, it's the same thing. Yeah. I would post like multiple in the same week. Like it right. doesn't matter over there. It's just a different audience. Yeah. But you're right. You get, you get kind of burnt out from posting all that. And at, at some point you're like, what am I really doing this? Because anytime someone asks, how do I gain more followers? I'm like, all right, well, why? What, what do you, do you want them? What's that? Yeah. Are you trying to promote your business? Are you trying to gain more customers? Cause I get very few customers from, from Instagram. People who are watching my content are usually other woodworkers. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, you mentioned being inspired. Like that's why I used to go to Instagram to be inspired by people mm-hmm. who are way better than me, showing me things I, I don't know how to do or design ideas, how to be more creative. And now I feel like I'm just flipping through a music video right and i blame that on i blame that on the platform for just giving you know (laughs) by giving everybody and i'm not saying they shouldn't have given everybody but by opening up these reels bonuses they made everybody think they're a content creator and it's it's pretty evident they're not um and so what happens is it's totally diluted the entire platform and it made guys who we're making good content, educational content, informative content. Just leave. Like uh, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this this is just nonsense. Right. And you know, they were realizing the time they were spending creating that content, they just weren't getting anything from it because the only thing that would go viral are these stupid dance videos or, <laughs> or nonsense skits. Um, yeah. And so it's just sad. I've scrolled through my, I don't scroll through my feed often, but I was today. I'm like, nope, nope, no, like nothing. I feel like I get a lot more by watching people's stories. Mm. Then I can really hone in on the content. I want to see people behind the scenes, what they're building and really learn things. Cause that's where they're going to show you tips and tricks and what they're doing and why. So yeah. I used to be the other way. I would never watch stories right. and always focus on my in-feed, but now it's the opposite. And I find yeah. I get more access, more um, inspiration from my what's the explore page? Oh right, where it's showing yeah. you a bunch of different things from all over the world. Like I find I get more inspiration from there than my actual feed. Yeah, I think that's very similar to YouTube, right? When you go to the mm-hmm. homepage and they're they're tailoring the content to things that you like or you know that will you know inspire you or whatever. Right. Um, but very very few people I think use that explore page. I didn't used to either, but yeah. And I, I, I remember people telling me, yeah, I get, I go to that. I found you on the Explorer page. I'm like, Explorer page, who goes to that? But yeah. <laughs> that's kind of all I do. <laughs> and it's funny because t- YouTube, I, it, you know, I'm on the platform, obviously I post it, but I don't watch much YouTube. Um, yeah. I just don't have the time. And if I go there, it's to research like a specific topic or a specific process or joinery method or whatever to see how other people do it. Mm-hmm. I don't just go and randomly watch half-hour videos. Um, right. Yeah. So anytime someone watches my content that's 44 minutes long, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get so much yeah. spare time? 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's your average V duration stuff on? It's pretty good. The yeah. problem is click-through rate. Mm. Um, I think once people click, you know, my average view durations anywhere between 35 and 45%, which is, I'm very happy with It's just yeah. getting them to click. So there's, you know, there seems to be a, a paradigm shift over there as far as what is working for titles and thumbnails mm -hmm. that, um, is different now. So I'm trying to adapt, mm -hmm. um, and it's difficult because you have to be kind of creative on titles and right. not clickbaity, but clickbaity. <laughs> right. I, I um, think the Mr. Beast face is is going away now. The the mm. surprise face. I think that's people are kind of over it. Um, is kind of what I've been listening to. I listen to Colin Smear um, podcast, mm -hmm. and they talk a lot about that kind of stuff. And and I think uh, you know. You need to create, and this is in talking to guys like Drew Witt at Whitworks and, and Lincoln Street, John at Lincoln Street Woodworks is, and um, Suman, like is you have to create some sort of mystery with your thumbnail and title to make people want to click. But you have mm -hmm. to deliver on that right. mystery. You can't yeah. just like, oh, let me click this and it, you don't even mention what you said in the title <laughs> until the very end. Yeah. You know, that's clickbait. Um, so you... I. And that's what I want to do. I want to be able to, I want to entice people to click and then deliver, you know, 110%, you know, mm -hmm. under promise, but over deliver. It's difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult. You know, I'm, because you really need to have a few thumbnails in your holster ready to go if one doesn't work and a few different titles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, you know, Jason at Bourbon Moth, where we're like, I'm making that thumbnail sometimes as it's uploading. Like, I don't. <laughs> like that's the last thing I'm doing, but yeah. I need to refocus. It needs to be kind of towards the beginning, thinking about it. That way, right. I can take in-process shots or whatever I think might be a possible candidate during the build. It's tough, you know. You yeah. gotta, I gotta change my my way of thinking. Well, I think with build videos, it's a little bit different. Uh, with you know, I think you go into it knowing kind of what the process is going to look like, but then something happens along the way. Yes. And I think that's what you capitalize on, right? So like Exactly. You know, the the fail or something like that. Did did I uh ruin this project or or like you had one that was like did I waste 100 hours on something, you know? Mhm. Mm yeah. Right. It's that's exactly it. You need the hook to get people and yeah, people love seeing you make mistakes and fix them. Which Isn't that funny? I do a lot of. Yeah. Um well, I think people love they watching wanna, us screw up. They do. They well they want to relate to yeah. you and like and see how you fixed it because they may have made the same mistake so let's see how this person goes through the process of either fixing it or just scrapping it all together um right. so it is it's it's just as valuable as seeing i think it's more valuable than just watching someone go right through a project with no mistakes and no problems and like oh it's not you know yeah. it doesn't work it's not like you're following an instruction manual when you build a piece of furniture unless you buy a set of plans and go from yeah. there but even then you encounter problems material issues and you know, you cut the, something the wrong length, you read the tape measure wrong, and right, or you got a knot here that doesn't work. And you, so, there's a variety. I'd love to do a video just on like mis common mistakes and how to fix them, but I feel like every mistake I encounter is so unique and specific, right, to each project. Um, yeah, Fisher used to do a, a, a whole video on his fails or something like that, I think. Mm. And so he, he's, I don't know where he's been lately, but 
he, he, he posted something some stuff. last week or something. Did he? Okay. I I saw yeah again like I don't really sometimes yeah, yeah if I see my uh, my homepage I'll yeah. see something like that in your spare time. <laughs> right. Right. So you had a full time job before this. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, what? When did when did all that happen? When did you go full time? And and what's what's that process? So in twenty twenty, yeah. So two years ago, a little over two years ago, January twenty twenty one is when I went official. Uh, full-time and it was because I got laid off from my day job in 2020 um, COVID stuff yes yeah. it was the I'm sorry know, we, we can't were already the, can't say the word oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were kind of already on the decline our our division and then COVID just really submarined it so <laughs> I said it again <laughs> uh, it was so it wasn't completely unexpected. Yeah. We all kind of saw the writing on the wall for some time. And luckily for me, I had been, you know, woodworking and building furniture for years on the side um, and had built up my YouTube channel and Instagram and I was working with sponsors already. So I had always said, if I ever get laid off, then I'm going to give it a go because right. otherwise I, I don't like change and I like security. And when you have a a paying job that pays you every week. You have a 401k, you have benefits. It's very difficult to just walk away from that. Um, and, you know, after a career, you know, 20 something years, I certainly wasn't ready to do that. Mm. So this kind of forced me to do it. Well, not forced me, but I had a, it forced me to make a decision. Right. Do I just do I look for another job and what I'm doing or take this full time? I said, if I don't do this now, then I probably never. We'll have the chutzpah to do it. So it's worked out so far. Last year was a good year. The first year was not as good um, right. as I was learning and trying to figure out which direction to take my business, and which is a constant work in, in progress, as hmm. anybody yeah. knows who leaves a day job and and realizes, you know, it's that whole line, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. is just absolute horse pucky. Because it's all work. Liars. Okay, you, They're all liars. Yeah, you may like some. I like a lot of it, but some of it I can't stand. Yeah. Because um, it's especially when you're in the content game with dealing with with spot. You know, even if you're a guy who cannot and you're able to eliminate commissions mm-hmm. and strictly build what you want because you get a ton of views and you have sponsor spots. You still have clients, and those clients are your sponsors. You still have to right. deliver what they want, what they're asking for on on the ad spots themselves. It's not like you film an ad spot and they approve it immediately. I've had some that they come back with three changes and fix this, oh, wow. refilm that, do this, do that. and So you still have to please people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's – I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I'm not taking any commissions. Because mm-hmm. I've said this before, like I like the challenge of commissions because they – they present projects sometimes that I wouldn't think of on my own. Right. Um, and I, I feel like if I was just left to build whatever I want, whenever I want, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get much done. Like I I need those timelines and right. to, to push me. Cause I'm, yeah, it's hard to know, get out of that corporate mindset too probably, right? You have those deadlines you, you've got to meet. Yeah. So you probably, that drives you. It's, I'm the same way. Yeah, it really. I, I don't is. think I'd give up. I don't think I'd give up the commission stuff. Like you have to be very uh, not only motivated but disciplined to just do everything on your own with no 
commission work driving it and just come up with and i'm not really a creative guy so to come up with you know even if i was doing two videos a month to come up with 24 different furniture builds or projects and that's a lot <laughs> right like i mean we don't really need much more in this house i have a few things to do but not yeah. 20. and then what do you do after the next you know for the next year 24 right. more Whew. Well, and the great Man. thing about the, those commission builds is they're paying for the material at least, you know? Sure. And so, yeah. so you've also got that piece of it, I guess, too. Well, You're that not having to and, buy your own walnut. <laughs> right. <laughs> they pay for that. And it, um, you know, with every project, I try to use a new technique or a new process to constantly be learning. So even if the job doesn't call for it, I'll you know what, I've never tried this joint before, I'm going to do it on this project. So mm -hmm. it's almost like going to school a little bit on each, to, and you're able to do that because you're getting paid at the same time. Yes, it takes longer, right. all of those things. Yes, you might screw up and you have to buy more material. But for me, that's the rewarding part. If I was just to build something and quickly get it done and shove it out the door, and all of a sudden I'm like, what just happened? Did I? What did I just build? And I didn't enjoy the process or learn anything. Then it, there's zero value there for me. Yeah. Yeah. Building the same same type of thing over and over. Like I love doing cabinets and built-ins and stuff like that, which I've seen some of your work in that space. Mm -hmm. And you do fantastic work. Thank um, you. And I, I love doing that kind of work. But then, you know, like every client wanted white, white mm -hmm. cabinets. And so I'm like so tired of building white cabinets you know and finally had one that came along and was like i want color and i was like mm. you are my favorite client <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna give this to you for free right <laughs> yeah i mean if i was making good money on youtube i might <laughs> yeah yeah well i love doing cabinets and built-ins as well and you know if i don't expect people to <laughs> watch every video cabinet video i've done step by step but you'll notice I do every one differently. So right. I'm, I'm always like trying to find. And if you work with a regular cabinet maker, my buddy Kevin at Fine Point Cabinetry, uh, I've worked a lot with him and his shop, and he has a method, which I've picked up a lot of stuff. And most guys who all they do is build cabinets, they have a system down. Right. I don't. I do things differently every time. And mostly because I forget what I did the last time. <laughs> but it's also because I'm in that ever, the, the quest for the, right. like the holy grail of how to assemble these and build them the easiest way. I haven't found it yet, now, really. Now, hold on a second. You said build the easiest way, but I've seen your videos. You don't yeah. build things the easiest way. Yeah, I don't know what I was saying there. <laughs> I find You're right. I find the most difficult way just to annoy people, just so they can say, what a waste of time, just yeah. brad nail it <laughs> and right. fill the nail holes. <laughs> Flathead screws. Yeah, yeah. Why not drywall screws? Yeah, you've Caulking. you've you've had a, a few uh, of your recent videos with some like really intense uh, aspects to it, um, whether that be trying to run the power through these curved legs or oval shaped legs or mm. you know like all that kind of stuff. What what inspires that type of you know creativity? Are you are you doing? Are you trying to model after something? Are you you know just coming up with a weird idea? I love curved work. Yeah. Like for as much as I love square corners and keeping things like, cause I'm working on a couple live edge projects right now and it's so annoying because of the organic, like I'm such a straight line guy. I'm like, 
the organicness of it. I have a difficult, like I would be a horrible sculptor, mm. um, like working with unrefined shapes. But curved work, when you're talking about bent lamination or steam bending and the softness of curves, I just, I really like that look. Mm-hmm. And because it is very, it's labor intensive, it's process oriented, it, it challenges me, it challenges my brain and it really inspires me. So there's so many different ways to do curved work, like the leg you were just talking about. In my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going to build this router sled that matches the profile of this, and I'll go around. It'll be so Mm -hmm. cool. And I was like, man, by the time I build this jig, (laughs) and then it doesn't work or something happens, all that time would have been wasted. And so... Since I had built that leg before, I kind of knew what worked best for me. But in this case, I had to like fit in a hidden access panel to match the grain and everything. So that was a challenge. Yeah. But yeah, the curved work, I, I really want to keep exploring that and doing different shapes. I would like to do some some curved shelves for our house here. Just some, whether it be steam bending or bent lamination or kerf bending. Yeah. Um. Because I've just done so many square things in the past, um, I just the softness and organicness of that um, just lends itself nicely to the eye. Right. Um, despite the fact I just said I'm not good at making organic shapes, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I, I have curved shelves in in my house, but that's just because they're old and saggy. <laughs> and my Home Depot pine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they come that way. Yes, someday I'll get to them. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, commission builds come first, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, the money, hey, pays yeah. the bills. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at your YouTube and you've got, um, let's see, the number one video, Walnut Coffee Table. Mm. Still going strong. Um, bent wood, lamination, console. Yeah. So a lot of it is your furniture stuff. Right. That seems to be doing the best. And those were the early videos that got in the millions um, that kind of really accelerated my subscriber base. Unfortunately, mm. a lot of those views were third world countries, India, South oh, yeah. America, and things. So I didn't make a lot of money on them on AdSense because right. of the demographics. Um, but I feel like those – I I'm very proud of those – projects especially the bentwood table Mm -hmm. um that coffee table just it took a great thumbnail like it took wonderful pictures for that it just happened to be the backdrop that it was in and and the marble top and the walnut like it was just a really nice thumbnail which was kind of what i attribute the success of that one to yeah um yeah so the good good thumbnail (laughs) yeah you could have the best video in the world if nobody's gonna click on it you're never gonna get those views Mm mm-hmm and I think yeah. it used to be like the thumbnail key was finished picture of what you're building and a title of what it is. But now, right. you know, you're kind of giving away, you're lifting up the skirt too early if you're showing, <laughs> the, showing the finished product, apparently. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But that's always what's worked for me in the past. So it's, it's, a, it's a struggle for me to not do that. Yeah. But. Well, it seems to be Trying working. to adapt. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still getting mm-hmm. a good number of views, right? Uh, on it, going strong. Um, 
so does that drive any of your, I mean, do you have, you have commission builds on a, on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess your videos are based around how those projects come up or are you trying to pick projects to, to suit the channel better? That's a great question. And ideally my goal is to take commissions that will make good content. Yeah. Um, I typically don't want a dining room table unless it's like a really funky out of the world base. Um, and like these three, pro I'm working on three at once right now. I have a live edge maple conference table. That's just the top the client is providing the base mm. and then a matching 12 foot maple live edge countertop that's going on cabinets that are already installed. So super boring. Right. But the hook on this one is, I I had got approval on the conference table. I give him a price and got approval on it. And then so, and he, I said, all right, well, here are two matching slabs that I can get to match the table. And he's like, great, let's go with it. Just get me a price. So I was, th those were in motion. My slab supplier was working them. They were cutting them and flattening them and getting everything ready. And he finally got the quote on the countertop. And it's like, ah, it's too much money. I don't want to do it. I'm like, um, no. <laughs> I already paid for these. Right. So I kind of had to, I mean, I'm not even really breaking even on, uh. on that. Um, so like, that's the hook for the video is never buy materials unless you have a deposit or a purchase order or whatever. Right. Um, but it, you know, I knew he needed these fast. So I was trying to move things along as quickly as possible yeah. thinking that he was just going to go for the price. And when he didn't, I was kind of stuck. Right. So otherwise, I wasn't even going to film these builds for for YouTube right. because it's so boring. But yeah. I feel like this is a good business oh, lesson for a lot video. of people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it's a good business lesson for a lot of people. And it gives them a chance to tell me how stupid I am for buying well, everything and not without a, an approval first <laughs> i think uh cam with blacktail studio has you know some videos out there like that and they're bangers yeah so, uh, right there's there's something there yeah yeah but he's dropping 30 grand and so <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more yeah but you're right it's it's but it's i think it's a good lesson for as we talked about at the top was you know people who may be quitting their day jobs and going to business in, into business for themselves and we inherently think people are good, right? We think, mm -hmm. all right, they approve this, they're going to pay me, and then at the end, they're like, they pick it apart and they don't want to pay you, or whatever the case may be. So, without taking a deposit up front for at least fifty percent, which is usually what I take, mm -hmm. um, to cover materials and any initial labor to go get it, and any design time and the emails back and forth, all this takes time. Um, you want to be covered in the eventuality where they back out. Right. So it's, you know, I think people who have a side hustle and then want to go full time sometimes face that harsh reality real quick. Right. That, um, oh boy, you know, I, <laughs> I don't have my day jobs <laughs> to subsidize my screw ups. Right. Yeah. So you, every dollar counts and you really, and you have to be diligent and, it's not easy because there's, we all, I'm just too nice sometimes. Yeah. Well, there, there's something freeing about having that full-time job to support the side hustle business. Mm 
you don't have that pressure on the side hustle business. Like if you don't get a job that month, you don't get a job that month. Or uh, if you need a tool, you just go out and buy the tool. Mm -hmm. And I think people underestimate that value, you know, and (laughs) you know, everybody wants to have the dream, live the dream, go full time. Um, but I'm like you, I'm, I got, they got to kick me out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and the thing is I used to take, when I had a full-time job, I would take commissions and I would price them lower if I wanted the job and I thought it would make good content or whatever to get the job. Cause I knew they may have had a budget that was lower than what I would be charging. The Ikea budget. Yeah. And the problem (laughs) with that, that I'm running into with a couple clients is I had built stuff for them previously when I had the day job and I gave them good pricing Mm. and now they're coming to me with new projects and my pricing is super high or what they think is high and yeah they're not going for it right which is fine you know because they're it's not listen I mean I have a backlog right now like through the summer but it's uh it's not like I'm getting five six different requests a day or even a week for commissions that I'm just batting away so Right. But it is it the pricing everyone struggles with pricing. We all do. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to break down the hourly rate of how many hours you put into a project, it you would you'd better off go working at Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, even, you know, like Phil Morley had 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 told me and a couple of people before that it's you, you really can't when you're building unique studio pieces that have never been done before and you're really basing on Basing the pricing on what you think it will take or how long it will take based on previous projects, um, you're always underestimate. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. And if you were to charge by the hour, no one's ever going to buy it. Right. Um, So it's unfortunate, but when you don't get paid by the hour, like a regular hourly worker, Mm -hmm. if you broke it down at the end of every project, how much you made per hour, you'd... You'd just never get out of the fetal position. You'd be in tears all the time. Like, what am I doing with my life? So you try to take away getting paid, gaining experience, and hopefully in the next one it'll be faster. You can make more money and so on and so forth. But again, when you're building a different piece every time, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to build the same piece over and over and over and over. Yeah. Well, sometimes are you taking on a little bit of an easier job to, to help or are you at the point now where you don't necessarily have to do that? These, uh, this conference table and that countertop were supposed to be easy fill-in yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which they are, but the problem is they're too big for my shop. So I've been in my right. buddy Tim and Mike's shop in town for the last week and a half, like taking over. Mm. Um, mm. Luckily, they've been very gracious and accommodating, but it's it's stressful for me that I'm like, am I in the way? Am I bothering these guys? It's right. You know, and I'm used to being I mean, they're not like Jason, day. you know, just standing around drinking coffee while you're working. Right. Coffee yeah. and bourbon sitting, kicking yeah. back, watching Seinfeld. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult asking, you know, listen, I, I've worked in other, my friend's shops for a day or two or whatever, but for a week and a half it's, and it's going to yeah. be in there for the rest of the week while I finish their, fl- but you know, they're flattening stuff on the CNC for me and getting paid for that. They're going to be spraying these countertops and table for me, getting right. paid for that. And they're going to help me install, deliver. So, I mean, they're definitely getting money out of it, but it's also right. a huge 
favor that they're doing for me. Yeah. Wait till they see you bringing in your table saw and joiner. I, <laughs> I start bringing Lola and hey Jerry guys. to work with me. Yeah. <laughs> you got room for two cats yeah. and a litter box in here? I brought donuts. Just <laughs> <laughs> smooth things over. Right, yeah. I mean, if you're going to impose, right, at least bring donuts. It's usually donuts and pizza will, will smooth over any situation, generally. Yeah. And coffee. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm running late to work, I'm stopping to pick up some breakfast tacos. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Bagels are probably bagels and, and cream cheese would be a good idea. There too. you go. <laughs> yeah. All of just everything. All the carbs and sugar you can bring. Right. Yeah. And the bourbon. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Bourbon um, beer. On I so I mentioned earlier you you're doing like uh some animations and, and things like that. Like your your logo and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh what what program are you using? Are you using DaVinci or are you using Adobe? So for the logo stuff, I had, I found somebody on Fiverr or no, there was someone on Instagram. I'm sorry. Uh, oh boy. Richard Engstrom. Oh, I hope I'm getting that name right. Um, <laughs> but for like the little total boat thing where i have me in a boat going across the screen yeah i did that myself in i just like Total a transparent boat, that's the one like a transparent <laughs> png and you can drop it in final cut and you just i forget even how i did it making you make a motion some kind of okay. thing in there so yeah it's nothing nothing complicated yeah. like that and any green screen stuff it can all be done like Jason, you know, Bourbon Moth, he does everything in InShot on his iPad. So I use InShot a lot, too, for videos. It has yeah. a great green screen feature, but you can do it in Final Cut Pro, too. Um, so it's it. I would love to incorporate more kind of graphics and cool stuff, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. It just it's all about the build. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the, you know, I've been... Obviously, I film everything on my phone, my iPhone. And right now, I'm in serious considerations. I've been talking with Nick Sawyer and Michael Alm. And, and like, should I get a camera? Yeah. Because I would like my ad spots to look a little bit better, like they mm. weren't filmed on the phone. Um, and And possibly transition into having better looking footage. But in yeah. the end, is it really worth you know, 3000 and whatever lenses cost and right. all of this and versus just on your phone where I can film something and just quickly edit a reel or whatever, an in shot. And I right. don't know. I just, I don't think, I mean, Jason is one that is proven. You can do anything on your phone and have right. almost a million subscribers. It's right. really about the content and who you are, not about Exactly, and the, the audio quality is huge, yeah. but an iPhone at 1080p, it's just all you need. It looks fine, more than right. fine. Yeah, yeah. I did find that when I was using cinematic mode, um, it was it it would cut the blurriness at weird spots and things like that. So I, I use a camera. I know if you talk if you're talking to Nick Sawyer, he's going to tell you to get a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wants yeah, me to get a he's, Sony. He's got all the gear. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he's a total gear. He's head. recently got it. me to switch over to DaVinci and I yeah. have this speed editor that he told me Ooh. about. This thing is amazing for editing videos. Interesting. And um like it's got the wheel on it and you can uh if you're not watching on YouTube, uh go to YouTube and, and watch it. But 
So this is a, <clears throat> you can spin the wheel and, and go through your footage. So you've got like your source tape and your timeline thing. Okay. So you can go between your source and your timeline. So as you're, as you're going through, like I'll, I'll lay the a roll down and easy cut between like it, something I want to cut out or whatever. I just drop it down on the timeline. And so I can edit a video like 10 times faster now. And I've been doing it for a week. So it's now, just crazy. What were you editing with before? I was using uh, Premiere Pro. Okay. Yeah. So but, pick it like the, the learning curve on DaVinci is pretty... Yeah. I mean, it's not as steep. I mean, for me, Premiere Pro is impossible Yeah. versus Final Cut Pro. But I've heard a lot of people are switching to DaVinci. A lot of people are. And I've been watching... There's a couple guys. If, if you ever get interested in, in it, there's a couple guys that I uh, follow that really break it down into consumable bite-sized pieces. So you're not having to like, it's, it's easy to follow their methodology. And, uh, so I did my first podcast episode, uh, last week with it and the learning curve took me 10 times longer, but I can tell by what I was doing in the end, it's going to be 10 times faster. Okay. Now that I, I know the basis. Now, is that a web-based uh, program, or are you download and it's native on your machine? Uh, it's native, so they have the free version. You can you can download the free version and, and play with it, um, and it has most of the functionality that you need. But then the studio version is uh, two ninety five. But what Nick was telling me is this: um, this is why I got this. The speed editor is three ninety five, but it comes with a license to the studio. So basically, you're paying a hundred bucks for the for the okay. editor. And that's a lifetime license yeah. or a yearly? Lifetime. Lifetime. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, for three ninety five, you got lifetime upgrades. They just did a they're integrating uh AI in it now Ooh. and stuff. Mm. So yeah. It's it's gonna be great, you know, just speeding up my process. My for the podcast mainly is is why I got it. But I'm also trying to do a push on YouTube. Okay. Um you know, we'll see. I don't have yeah, two hundred and seventy three thousand <laughs> YouTube subscribers like you do, but right. I yeah, I paid paid dearly for those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I like Final Cut Pro because I used to use iMovie and then graduating yeah. to Final Cut was just natural. It was just pretty it was it was nothing. It just right. it has way more options, um, which yeah. is what I wanted, like as far as sharpening and color color grading um and but you know there are some quirks about it and things um you know the hardest thing is file management really right yeah Keeping final cut eats up a lot of the computer space i found it, it does i mean yeah. i recently bought a mac studio okay that's what um, i've got now so it's you know it is fast but again even with a steady state drive i have what did i buy a 16 terabyte steady state auxiliary wow. hard drive wow. because <laughs> i was working off of just a regular external hard drive and it couldn't pull information off there fast enough so right. meaning i bought this six thousand dollar computer and it was just as slow or just as like my imac there was yeah. zero performance increase and then i bought that steady state drive and ah uh, that's why 
It mm. needs to be pulling that in because I have I store everything on there and I have you know stuff that you use all the time. Right. Like you said, your logo and and all these other things that are stored there. And before it was trying to pull it off this little five terabyte hard drive, and you could hear it, you know, moving and collect. Oh, these fan. steady state yeah. drives don't even they don't make a sound. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so quiet and fast. But it's frustrating because if you're if you're an Adobe guy, like. Right. Everything lags. Photoshop, you get the spinning wheel of death. Illustrator, mm-hmm. all the time. And it's right. even Acrobat. Even SketchUp crashes all the time on this machine. Yeah. It's these web-based, cloud-based apps. Right. Like anything native is fine. Yeah. But so it's just frustrating. You spend all this money on this machine and you still get the same problems. Yeah. Doing the doing the podcast edit, that's going <laughs> to... Do you guys just leave that... Leave it kind of, I mean, other than putting in the beeps and stuff like that, do you mm-hmm. you just kind of let it roll or are you doing like pretty serious editing on it? No, I was in the beginning when I first started because like you and I talked about at the beginning of the show, when you record, there's like two frequencies. It's like 44.1 hertz or 48. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was bringing them in, they were coming in each at a different one. So by the end of the podcast... They were out of sync. Right. So going in, cutting all the audio up and syncing it up. And also Jason records through cloud lifter thing into an Evo something. And when he does that, it oh, when we recording locally, because we recorded QuickTime and then I would combine the tracks, mm-hmm. it only records stereo, which is one ear. Mono oh, right. is actually two ears. So I would have to take his audio bring it into Audacity or one of these other... Audition. Audition. Mm-hmm. Add that uh, ear back and then bring it in and then splice everything up, add intro and outro and the beeps and all this stuff. It was a nightmare. Right. And I was trying to, because Adobe has this AI voice enhancer now. Mm-hmm. It's still in the beta. Oh, it's great. Yeah. But it is. It is. But yeah. it only takes files up to 500 megabytes. Up or, to an hour. Yeah. And yeah. ours are longer than that, and the file size is bigger. So I would chop them up into multiple pieces, yep. run them through there, bring them back in, piece them together, and finally, like, forget this. It's just... <laughs> it, but So we tried Zencaster, and now we're doing what, what you're using with Riverside, and the mm-hmm. audio quality is great. It kind of yeah. almost has, like, a built-in AI sort of to fix all your levels and keep... And it, it sounds good. So, and everything's just going to keep getting better, right? With with this AI technology, with with the video and the audio, and it's scary. I had Brad Rodriguez on, and he and we started talking about AI, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, you don't even really need me. You could just do, you say, you know, record a podcast with Brad Rodriguez, and (laughs) (laughs) would automatically, (laughs) you know, build in the jokes or whatever." (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, I think I just saw because I'm a big follower of uh, F1 racing and that, you know, Michael Schumacher, one of the greatest racers of all time, he was in the skiing accident. He's been kind of in a coma or a vegetable f- for years. Um, mm-hmm. And somehow they just published like this AI interview with him oh, wow. that the family is like up in arms about, but yeah, they yeah. created this whole false interview using AI. It's insane there's a tom brady one going around uh tom brady does comedy or whatever it's very offensive i i could only make like two minutes into it and i was like okay i'm over it 
Um, <laughs> but it, it, they don't build in the natural like breaths and things like that. So it, you can still tell that it's, but you can, yeah. it, you, it's his voice. Mm. Like, it, it's just so strange. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he put out a cease and desist, cease and desist on, on that whole thing. Cause it's, it's like, yeah, you don't, I, I don't recommend anybody go check that out. <laughs> mm. Well, and they're going to be able to use your likeness, take a picture of your head, put it on someone else's body, and do all right. kinds of crazy things. And yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's it, well, not that I feel like it is. It just in such its infancy right now. And, yeah. Well, pretty soon on your channel, you just be able to eat cheese balls and, and say, Keith Johnson, build uh, build a table. You know, make sure you incorporate Lamelo or right. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been using the chat GPT AI to kind of come up with alternative video titles and mm -hmm. things like that, which is super helpful. Right. Um, but you could also say, write a story about this and this and this, and it will yeah. write a, a not like, I feel like a lot of books are going to be written by AI. It's not right. even going to be an, a human author behind it. Yeah. And I think Dan over at uh, another Woodshop podcast, Daniel Dunlap said, Whatever, whenever you're using AI right now, it's the dumbest it's ever been because it's right. only getting smarter every minute. Isn't that crazy? And, I wish I was like that. <laughs> right. I keep getting dumber. Yeah, I'm the smartest that I've ever been right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but I'm not as smart as I was yesterday. How does that work? <laughs> oh, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah, it's, it's all cognitive decline from here. <laughs> So uh, I would like to talk to you about um, some of your your brand stuff, um, you know, working with Lamello and mm -hmm. and uh, Total Boat and stuff like that. Or maybe we can save some of that for the after show. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to know, you know, in your in your portfolio, essentially, because um, everybody's got to diversify. Right. You've mm -hmm. got your AdSense, you've got affiliate sales and stuff like that. Um, is Lamello like an affiliate type thing for you? Cause you do, you do a lot with them, right? So Lamello, I am actually a dealer. I am the only standalone dealer in the country. Okay. Um, so you can order directly through me. I place the order through our distributor, Colonial Saw in Massachusetts, and then they drop ship it from there. Um, the way that came about was Chris Hoffman, who's the, um, kind of national sales manager, uh, reached out to me on Instagram and said, hey, I'd love to come by your shop and kind of give you a demo of the Lamello Zeta P2. I said, okay, great. So he came in and, and um, lent me a machine for a while. And he's like, you know, with your following, you could probably do pretty well with as a salesman on this and, and commission. Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, you know, I don't really have time for that. And, you know, because my my record for affiliate sales is pretty abysmal. So I'm like, I don't really want to have any, you know. It's definitely hit or miss on those. Yes. Yeah. And so it, that was, you know, then about, I forget how long later, probably seven or eight months later, because I started using it in videos and people were asking about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll give this a try. So we signed an agreement to become a dealer. And the first year was, last year was fantastic. Yeah. Um, lot lot of sales, you know. The commissions, the way they work, it's a little, it's a little funky for me because whether someone uses PayPal or Venmo or a credit card to pay, mm -hmm. I got to pay three percent right. on that, right? And then when you buy a machine, shipping is free. 
And then after that, if they're just buying connectors and consumables, I can't charge them the full shipping amount that I get charged because they wouldn't buy through me. They would just go to an online retailer where it's free shipping. So I make concessions there. So I have to take a little bit of a hit and... All in all, like sales keep coming in, people keep referring other people to me um, to buy, and I get you know the connectors and everything else. So it's been great, and the people at Lamelo are fantastic. I'm actually going to Lamelo headquarters in Switzerland this summer. Oh, wow. Nice with Matt Moore um, uh, and another uh, Finnish carpenter out of Boston. Uh, Sean Kelly. So we're going over there to tour the facility. We're doing like a little, I don't know if it's like a build off for a couple of days. Cool. So we're going to turn it into a vacation. My wife's going to come out there at the end and we're going to just, you know, pay to stay for a few extra days. But right. it's been, it's been a great experience for me. And like you mentioned, another stream of revenue. Right. Um, because, you know, this year Pony Jorgensen dropped out. They they were using an outside company for their ambassador program and sponsor program, and they brought it in-house, and they're mm-hmm. still not sure what they want to do. So I'm out. Like, yeah. Um, so that money's just gone, so you got to make up for it. Facebook Reels was a huge moneymaker for me last mm. year. Gone. Right. So you got to backfill. And like we're just, affiliate sales for me, forget it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't feed my cats for a week on what I make in affiliate sales. Uh, yeah. Or merch, you know. I gave up kind of selling merch a long time ago. I have a Teespring store, but yeah, I used to keep inventory and do mugs and all, but it just it just does, wasn't enough to move the needle. Does Lola have a uh, an Instagram account? Could she get a Friskies? Uh, Jerry and Lola deal? have an Instagram account. Okay, but what I actually reached out to the litter that I used, <laughs> I reached out to them on Instagram, and they got right back to me. I think because they saw my following was big. Mm-hmm. And they gave me the number or the email address for the marketing department who I reached out to, but I didn't hear back. So mm. I may have to follow up. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> that I feel like that would be a home run. They're like yeah. such a – have become such a a hit with my subscribers on YouTube that they're in every video. And right. Yeah. So it, it helps. Like I get a lot of comments from people. You know, my kids love watching the videos because they see Jerry and Lola. and Yeah. So it's but nice. It'd be nice to actually capitalize. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this episode brought to you by Friskies. By Pretty by Litter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm proud to, I'd be proud to admit that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I love use, being or uh, having sponsors in the video of stuff I use. Right. Because you're not really going to get, I mean, a woodworking company isn't going to sponsor a YouTube video. They just, they're not going to spend the money that yeah. these other companies are. Right. So, you know, sometimes you take an ad spot because you need the money. You're not really uh, certainly (laughs) (laughs) on board with the product. But, you know, listen, we all have to make a living. We all sell out in one way or another at some point. Um, And, you know, it's not like we're selling things that are killing the environment or anything. You know, I'm not selling nuclear waste barrels or anything like that. Yeah. This so, brought to you by used Tesla batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, you can buy one square foot of landfill out in the middle of Nebraska <laughs> to store these used yeah. batteries. But there yeah. has been a, some cases where people have t- taken ad spots, you know, through their agencies too, and they've turned out to be fraudulent. Um, yeah, which is kind of scary. 
Yeah, there was a, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, there was some celebrities that endorsed something and there was a, some issue with, with it being fraudulent and they were suing the celebrities. Oh, for endorsing it. Yeah. Oh, boy. yeah. Because like, well, I follow, you know, so-and-so and they said it was a great uh, product and they never used it and then, you know, found out it's fraudulent. And so they were suing the celebrities can't remember wow. what it was but yeah it's crazy gotta be careful <laughs> yeah i feel like um because i've done a couple where it's not like i mean like explaining what it is i don't feel like i mean it comes across as an endorsement but it's not an official endorsement like i've done i've used this product or i've tried this right um so it, it, there is a little bit of a gray area there um yeah some moral ground uh to tread on but i mean yeah. you're not forcing people to <laughs> to buy anything you're not you know it's all you have free will you can do what right. you want i'm just presenting like here's an option this is something that's out there and available well unless it's fraudulent then it's not available yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's a game that i haven't played with a guest in in a while uh sometimes we do games on on this podcast and uh, I haven't done that for a while, so I think I'll take that over to the after show. Ooh, all right. Yeah, it's called Can Rapid Fire. Can I hitch Fire. a ride with you? Because uh, what's it called? Rapid Fire. Oh, gosh. Hot seat. <laughs> yep, hot seat. <laughs> all all right. right. Can you give me the questions ahead of time so I can prepare? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you can catch up on it on your on your ride in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, uh, let me say thank you to uh, Surf Prep for sponsoring this episode. Head over to surfprep.com and enter code MAKERLOUNGE for 10% off uh, any of their uh, products there. So thank you to SurfPrep. Also, thank you to our patrons. We've got a number of top-tier patrons that I like to shout out. We've got Jimmy McAnally, Archiano Serio, Wim Design, Calvary Customs LLC, Clean Cut Woodworking, Bailey Thompson, Dave Garcia, Broken Lead Woodworks, Starks Lagoon, Sawyer Design, Kadama Design, Dylan Furniture, and Shock the Fox. If you want to be a patron, head over to patreon.com slash makerloungepodcast. Keith, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This was fun. We'll uh, catch you over in the after show. All right.